0: Welcome to a special bonus presentation of Locked On NHL. I'm Seth Topal, joined by Nick Morgan, my regular Tuesday co host on the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's special edition of the show, we'll lay out the single most interesting thing about each team in the Western Conference going into the 2023 2024 NHL season, as outlined by the local hosts of the Locked On NHL Network. Impact players, Dominant storylines and what's at stake for all 16 teams in the West are on tap. And for the full rundown of the five things you need to know about every NHL team, be sure to watch the 2023-2024 NHL season preview playlist on the Locked On NHL channel. And with that, let's dive into the most interesting thing about every team in the West, and where better to start than the defending cup champion Vegas Golden Knights who will go as captain? Mark Stone goes in their title defense season, says Locked On Golden Knights co-host Chris Golick. Who figures to be the
1: most important player on the Knights this year, and what makes them so crucial to the team's success?
2: Mark Stone's back is the most important player on the Golden <laughs> Knights. Um, you know, Mark Stone's looked really good uh, in the captain skates last week, and then of course uh, he's looked good in the first day of training camp. Let's see what happens once, um, you know, especially once the Edmonton Oilers come to town and they start going after those uh, those soft spots in uh, Mark Stone's back. Um, is it going to be a spot where he plays the first 40 games and then he's hurt for the last 40 games and we go through all the cap circumvention drama again? I don't know if that's going to happen. I personally see the ceiling as 50 games for Mark Stone. He's only played a total of 80 of the last 164 regular season games. Um, uh, continuation on the same question, of course, Jack Eichel and his growth will be very, very interesting to see as well and see if he can get himself in that selkie conversation, possibly.
0: Nick, as the Golden Knights go, Mark Stone
3: goes. Do you agree? Um, partially. You know, I think Vegas has such a deep team That, you know, we've seen happen before where one or two people can go down and they'll survive it. Um, That's, I think, the story of the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, look, let's make no mistake. Mark Stone is a very important player for the Vegas Golden Knights. We saw him, um, you know, kind of put the team on his back at certain points during the Stanley Cup finals run last year. To me, though, the bigger thing is in goal. You know that was that was the X factor for the Vegas Golden Knights last year was Aiden Hill stepped up late in the playoffs. You know, and that was after um, Lauren Brassaw stepped up in the playoffs, and that was after Logan Thompson <laughs> stepped up in the regular season. So you know they had such consistent goaltending, no matter who was in net. Can they get that same magic again? this year from Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson. That to me is going to be the biggest deciding factor on if Vegas can repeat again this year.
0: I like it. Who stands the best chance of challenging the Vegas Golden Knights to come out of the West? The team with Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle seems like a good place to start, but is their goal tending up to the test? Nick Zoraris examines that question. (laughs) Who figures to be the most
1: important player on the Oilers this season and what makes them so critical to the team's success?
4: So I have a two-part answer for you. Number one, it, it's Connor McDavid. That, that's the best player in the world. Any team that features the best player in the world, he's going to be the most important component to their team. But you, you don't really worry about McDavid beyond injury. And even injury, you can't really worry about that. You can't forecast it, predict it. You can do everything you can to protect against it. But if that happens, you have to find a way to adapt. The, the more complex answer, and frankly, the more interesting answer is the goaltending situation, because they went into last season, where they gave Jack Campbell a long-term deal as a free agent to be the starter, and he lost the job by, I would say, the end of November, and Stuart Skinner usurped him. He was an all-star last year. He was a Calder finalist last year. He had a really strong season. And then when the playoffs came, Campbell, excuse me, Skinner really struggled. Campbell relieved him a couple times in that series against the Kings. And then by the time they got to that second-round series, Skinner was really out of gas. Campbell was really tired. And that was the most games Jack, uh, Stuart Skinner had played in a season since I want to say 2015 2016 when he was like 16 or 17 years old as a junior hockey player so the physical wall the goalies hit especially the young ones who haven't made 40 50 starts in a long time it really came for the Oilers last year and that's not to say you don't want to ride your best goalie that's what Stuart Skinner was for them last year but you need to balance the short term we need to win this game versus we're trying to win a Stanley Cup so you, there's a real balance the Oilers need to find this season with their goaltending. <laughs>
3: First off, Seth, uh, easiest answer to the question, who's the most important player on the team uh, from anybody so far? Just being able to say, oh, yeah, the the once-in-the-generational player, Connor McDavid, seems easy enough. Um, your take on Stuart Skinner and how important he is to the Oilers' success this year.
0: Well, he's going to be everything to what the Oilers hope to accomplish this year because um, – we saw flashes from him of a guy who could potentially be that goalie for this team. And they just have not had that over the uh, the last handful of seasons, especially with McDavid and Drysidel. We've seen it in the postseason. You and I have talked about it that you just can't get to the cup final with having guys like and I, I'm not trying to throw strays at Mike Smith, but you can't get to the cup final with Mike Smith as your goalie. And so if Stuart Skinner can be that guy that takes over, that's going to be what helps Edmonton get over the top. And if they continue to not get that, or if they continue to get guys that kind of get overwhelmed in the postseason, they're going to continue to have the same results happen year in and year out. So uh, I, I think it is definitely the goalie situation uh, for the Oilers that will get them to where they want
3: to go. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And it seems like they have everything else except that consistent goaltender. So maybe that happens this year. Uh, Of course, the team that's lost to Edmonton in back-to-back playoffs, a.k.a. the LA Kings, well, they made a big move this summer to bolster their chances of getting over the hump. Eddie Garcia of Locked on Kings details how Pierre-Luc Dubois will fit into an LA Kings team on the rise. (laughs) You alluded to it a little bit
0: already, but what was the biggest move of the offseason for the Kings?
5: Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty obvious. Uh, I would say the second biggest trade in the offseason, other than Eric Carlson, was the LA Kings making a deal with the Winnipeg Jets to get center Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, the Kings did part with three players off of their roster, Gabe Velarde, Alex Iafalo, and Rasmus Kupari to get Dubois, so they did pay a hefty price along with the second round pick, but specifically taking depth off of their roster. They then made a financial commitment to Pierre-Luc Dubois, eight years, $68 million. So the Kings are now very strong down the middle. Andre Kopitar, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Philip Deneau. Uh, so the thinking was that L.A. needed to make a bit of a bold move to get over that hump in the playoffs, uh, to be able to compete with the defending Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights, to be able to compete and Beat defeat uh the team that's beaten them the last year in the playoffs, the Edmonton Oilers. I think it's very likely that they could meet one of those teams in the first round. uh So the Kings did lose a little depth, but they feel like, um you know, maybe Vegas hasn't really done much to improve. Edmonton hasn't really done much to improve. The Kings needed to be bold, make a big splash, go out and get a player that can really help them get over that hump. That's what they did. We'll see if Pierre-Luc Dubois can be the difference for the Kings this season.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see if he can be what takes that Kings team over the top. But again, Nick, I'm, I'm going to throw it to you. Is the goaltending going to be enough for this Kings team to be able to be one of the legit contenders in
3: the West? I mean, how do you feel about Cam Talbot starting 60 games a year? No comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> com- no
0: comment here
3: either. Um, I mean, that's that's the biggest factor. The thing about Pierre Luc Dubois is, you know, that was sort of the big headline-making trade, and that was sort of the deal that you know the Kings fans pointed to. It's like, all right, uh, uh, we got our guy in the future. Like this is sort of that big breakthrough trade that puts us over the edge. And uh, this is no, you know, shot at Pierre Luc Dubois as a player because he's a very effective player, but. Is he a franchise player? Like, like this is by no means like the Matthew Kachuk-esque trade last year where Florida just instantly kind of flipped their future around. To me, Pierre-Luc Dubois is, you know, a very good player. But I, I, I just, I, I'm hesitant to say like this is the move that puts the Kings like over the top and puts them towards contention. They add a good player to their roster. I'm just not sure it's one that makes them, you know, put them among like the Dallas and Vegas and Colorado's in the West.
0: If they would have grabbed another player from the Jets, Connor Hellebuck would be a completely different conversation. But there you go. speaking of one side of the contention window to the other, we move to the Chicago Blackhawks. They came away as the biggest winner of the summer or one of the biggest winners of the summer when their number came up as the winners of the draft lottery. As Jack Bushman details, Connor Bedard's arrival will be the big story, but the rest of Chicago's youth should turn some heads as well. Jack, I know this is an obvious answer, but
1: what's the biggest storyline surrounding your team heading into this season?
6: Well, funny enough, Gildy, I'm going to give you a two parter because the first one is so obvious. All eyes are going to be on Connor Bedard to see how he's going to fare against, you know, grown men in the NHL speed. There's obviously been a ton of buzz and a ton of hype behind this kid, not not only since he's been drafted, but for the last, what, year and a half now that he's really been on everyone's radar. And everyone's going to be looking at, you know, he's been thrown in that general, generational talent type of bucket. And, you know, there's expectations obviously that come with that and Blackhawks fans are going to be hoping to see him, you know, take that next step, show signs of progression, show signs of development and comfortability and just getting the understanding of what it takes to uh, to play this game at, at the highest level. We actually got a little bit of a first glimpse at Bedard last night in the Blackhawks preseason opener and boy, he did not disappoint and did a lot of good things uh, and made a lot of good moves against quality NHLers that the Blues had in the lineup. So obviously, us Blackhawks fans and uh, everyone around the NHL is going to be tuning into the Blackhawks more than they have for sure the last couple of years to go and watch Connor Bedard. But I think the biggest thing actually for the Blackhawks as a whole, Gil, is development not only with Connor Bedard, but there's a lot of young guys who are going to get their first crack at being full time NHL or someone like Lucas Reichel, who right now is penciled in to be their second line center. The whole left side of their defense looks like it could be very young as well. Wyatt Kaiser's there right now. Alex Vlasic has gotten some time in the last couple of seasons, but this is his really first full NHL shot. And then Kevin Korchinski, who was the seventh overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft. A big storyline in Blackhawks training camp is whether or not he's going to make the NHL roster. And if he does, you know, that's going to make for a very young left side of the Blackhawks blue line. And there are a lot of young players on this team. So obviously it's very key for Connor Bedard to show signs of development as well. But I think the biggest storyline for the Blackhawks as a whole is development from their young players in general, not just Bedard.
3: You know, I want to back up uh, Jack on something about Kevin Korczynski because I got a chance to see that guy play a few games last year, and that is a really, really good skater uh, on the blue line. And uh, it's you watch him play, and it's not too far fetched to think that he is um, Duncan Keith 2.0, you know, in terms of that franchise you know, kind of two way defender for the Blackhawks. But yeah, so as Jack mentioned, as Connor Bedard goes, that's going to be the storyline for the Chicago Blackhawks the next couple of years. And by the way, just seeing
0: some of the things that he has done to teams on the ice so far in the preseason, Probably, I, I'm I'm not a law expert, but probably illegal in like 48 states, what he has done to like the Detroit Red Wings, what he's done to, I, I mean, the hesitation move he had for a goal against Detroit was disgusting. And he's going to do that all season. And I'm getting fired up because now he's going to be tormenting the Minnesota Wild for the next 10 to 15 years after Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves did that. It just never ends. We'll talk more about the Wilds coming up as well as the Chicago, uh, Colorado Avalanche, Seattle Kraken. We've got plenty more. We're just getting started on today's season preview edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. More on the way after this. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same thing with your business team? If you're building a roster to win the league, you need indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you need to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash LockedOn to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash LockedOn. Again, Indeed.com slash LockedOn. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to today's special season preview edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Seth Topol and Nick Morgan going through some of the biggest talkers heading into the NHL season. We move now to the Colorado Avalanche, who, and I completely forgot, uh, that shows how much time has passed since. They won the Stanley Cup two seasons ago, and uh, this past year fell to the Seattle Kraken in the first round of the playoffs. Can a revamped supporting cast help the talent-rich Avs get back to the top of the mountain? And which player needs to step up most to fill in for injured captain Gabriel Landeskog? Chris Maselli of Locked On Avs has more. Who figures to be the most important Avs player this team uh, this season and what makes them so crucial to the team's success? I have a feeling I know which way you're going here.
7: Oh, I don't think you do. So, see, I'm going to throw you a curveball here because it's okay. so easy. It's so easy to, to go with the stars, right? It was too easy for me to pick Kale McCarr or Nathan McKinnon or even Miko Rantanen. I'm going to go with Valnachewskan. Valachyuskin is a very, very important player for for this team, um, and I think this year, especially because number one, like they're not going to have Gabe Landeskog, right? He is going to be out all year. There's grumblings about could could he return for the playoffs? I'm not going to touch that right now, okay? Like that that's that's down the road. He's at least he's not going to be there for the regular season. Valachyuskin needs to give the Avalanche what Gabe Landeskog does. And that is that grit. That is that almost like sandpaper-like player mixes it up in front of the net. Um, he's one of the best four-checkers in the league. Um, easily the best four-checker for the Avalanche. So he he will continue to do that. But he's going to need to really kind of like step up his game and not, and be a little bit more durable. He hasn't played – like he's missed a handful of games – the last few years, especially years he's been with the Avalanche. So I would really, if if he can be out there, you know, the majority of the games, um, I think that takes care of itself, the production, but he's important. He is very, very important to this team.
3: Yeah, shout out to uh, Chris for throwing a curveball at us because I 100% agree with him about the shoes can a top player. I mean, look two years ago when the avalanche won the Stanley cup and a lot of people thought that was one of the best cup teams, you know, of the past 20 years, the shoeskin had 25 goals and 52 points in just 62 games. Uh, also 15 points in 20 playoff games. Like he was a stud in that middle six last year, battled some injury problems and you could tell the depth for Colorado just wasn't there. Last year, like you know, you had your Kale McCarr, you had Nathan McKinnon. Those guys were doing what they do, Miko Rantan, also. But they really missed having that second wave of players. You know, the the Nazem Kadri from a few years ago, the Andre Burakovsky, Nishuskin was a big part of that group. And with the other two gone and Nishuskin being hurt, it it just didn't seem like Colorado found that depth that they had when they won the Cup, Seth. Yeah, and you got to
0: have those guys that can take over at various points of the season. Uh, you can't get through with one or two guys that just carry you the entire year. So, having Nishuskin healthy is vital, is critical, is imperative. Whatever synonym you want for it absolutely has to happen. The Abs need him to be at the top of his game if they are going to be a force
3: in the postseason once the season is over. Right. Well, of course, the team that knocked off the defending champs from last year, yeah, they're going to be looking for more in just its third year of existence. Erica El Ayala details why the secret to the Seattle Kraken, repeating and improving upon last year's success, is their high-priced goaltender. Uh, Erica, who figures to be the most important
0: player on your team this season and what makes them so crucial the team's success. I have a feeling I think I know which way you're going here.
8: I think you just might. I have a one and a one B, if you will, but I have to go with Philip Grubauer because it is Philip Grubauer's performance in the postseason that got the Seattle Kraken in the right direction. He had been hurt earlier in the season. We know that the goaltending was not great in season one. So if he can come back healthy and he can repeat the performance, feel comfortable. I spoke to him just today. He felt that a lot of the success was also team success and the team, knowing their assignments, kind of having a better feel and handle of the systems. And he felt that that led to the success that the the entire team was able to have. I thought that was very humble of him, but yes, we need Philip Grubauer. And if I had to say another player, This is going to be Matty Veneers. He's coming off the Calder uh, Award, obviously. He's a player that, of course, had that that 10 games in his first season and was a true rookie last year. But just like the Seattle Kraken, Matty Veneers is not going to be taking anyone by surprise. So the way Matty Veneers goes, I think the way the Kraken goes, how can he and how can the team be able to rebrand and really level up what they had success with last season in order to continue to build off of, again, that uh, second round appearance.
3: Uh, and yeah, I mean, Seth's spot on again with her, with Grubauer being, you know, kind of a big figure for the Kraken this year.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not an understatement to say that he is going to be the most important player to this team for their success. You look at what Seattle was able to accomplish last year. Their goalie rotation included Philip Grubauer, who struggled mightily at points throughout the season, and Martin Jones, who was able to somehow hoist the anchor on his shoulder and drag the team into uh, into the postseason. Grubauer looked really good uh, in the uh, the playoffs against the Abs, and so he can build off of that into next season because you know we saw a lot of players on the Kraken that had those career seasons. Can they replicate that? If not, then you're going to have a drop in goals. And then you need your goalies to give up fewer goals. It's simple math. I love simple math. And so if they can uh, get some good goalie performances, especially from Grubauer, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be a-okay.
3: Yeah. Uh, The big thing for the Kraken also is just the depth. Are they going to have as much depth as last year? 13 players, Seth. Uh, with 30 or more points last year. Uh, If they can replicate that again with that good goaltending, yeah, Seattle's going to be a team to watch.
0: Yeah, unstoppable. Uh, Do you remember who lost the Western Conference Finals last year? In typical under-the-radar fashion, it was the Dallas Stars, who continued to be one of the more reliably good Western Conference teams and who made one of the savviest under-the-radar signings of the summer. Joey Erickson tells us why Matt Duchesne could be a huge difference maker on a one year, $3 million contract. Sorry, Nick. Had to do it.
8: Let's talk next about the, the team's most significant offseason move mm-hmm. and why. We might have teased this a little bit, but want to yeah. hear from you, Joey.
9: Yeah, I mean Matt Shane comes over, and uh, of course he's a bit past his prime. He he's not what he once was, but uh, he brings over uh, high end potential. And I think where he's going to make the most impact is going to be on the power play. Uh, two seasons ago, he, he scored I believe it was 14 or 15 power play goals, and he's not going to be on this top power play unit for the Stars. And the Stars were top five and the power play percentage a season ago, but it was mainly the top unit that, that did most of the damage. And I think with adding a guy like Duchesne, who has that potential uh, is going to make them extremely, extremely deadly. Also, he pairs in perfectly with Tyler Sagan and Mason Marchment, who was a line that Sagan and Marchment were pretty inseparable, and they just could never really find that third guy to go with them to complete the trio. And Dushane has already started practicing with Sagan and Marchment, and he seems to be a perfect fit. And he also is a guy that Pete DeBoer loves because he's kind of a hybrid style where he can play center and wing, so he can play some... uh Play some draws because you say he could be on the dot. And uh, I, I think he's uh, a depth piece that the Stars have been missing for years.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately for the Nashville Predators, they no longer get to uh, have the impact of Matt Duchesne on their roster. But Dallas certainly hoping that uh, Duchesne can give them a spark. Uh, it was a Stars team that that got a ton of production from their top guys. That top line was outrageously good all season long. But what you need to have come postseason time, crunch time, you need to have other guys that can help you. And I I think it's a no-brainer. Matt Duchesne is a huge impact piece for this Dallas Stars team.
3: 100%. I mean, let's, you know, Jack said he was uh, past his prime, or Joey said he was past his prime. Um, he had 86 points two years ago and led the Predators in goal scoring last year, so... I wouldn't say he's that much past his prime, but the thing I think is going to benefit Matt Duchesne is that he doesn't have to be the guy anymore. Nashville needed him to be the guy, the guy that scored 43 goals year in and year out. If they wanted to have a chance to compete here in Dallas, he just has to be a good player. And that's what he is a good player. Um, If even if he just, you know, scores 60 points, you know, the next couple of years, that is exactly what Dallas needs from him. They don't need to have, you know, another 100-point guy. They got Jason Robertson. They got Rupe Hintz. Um, and the other big thing, and Joey and I actually talked about this recently on a, on a Stars-Predators crossover. You also have Joe Pavelski, Tyler Sagan, uh, Jamie Benn, some older guys that maybe you have to think about regression in a year or two for now. So bringing in Matt Duchesne as another piece maybe offsets some of that regression from other players. So, yeah, uh, I'm with you. This this is kind of a no-brainer. And uh, to be honest, maybe one of the moves that puts Dallas um, over the top as the Western Conference favorite. It's uh, um
0: It's a star-studded roster, to say the least. And with that, I'll show myself out.
3: Anyway, the Vancouver Canucks have the – okay, I got a, I got a tip of the cat that one. That was, that was, <laughs> that was solid. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks have the three ingredients that every good team needs. They have a great number one defenseman in Quinn Hughes, stud goalie at Thatcher Demko, and a top flight center in Elias Pedersen. Right? As Trevor Beggs have locked on Canucks outlines, there's no guarantee Pedersen will be in Vancouver for the long haul if the rest of the roster can't support the trio this season.
9: What's at stake for the Canucks this season?
10: Honestly, Elias Pedersen is what's at stake, right? You know, he says he doesn't want to negotiate until the end of the season.
0: I think there's a lot of talk that, you know, this guy wants to play for a winner. And the Canucks, you know, have not been a winner. In fact, they've been a bottom feeder pretty much since he entered the NHL. So I think, again, that's what, that's what's at stake here. I mean, the Canucks, you know, if they make the playoffs, if they go on a better run, they make some noise. All things look like they're moving in the right direction. If they have another season like they did last year, and they're a bottom 10 team, is Pedersen going to stick around? I might not want to stick around if I was Pedersen.
3: Hey, Seth, you and I have talked about this on our show before, where Vancouver on paper... Uh, should be consistently one of the best teams in the NHL. Like they have so many amazing pieces. They just can't seem to put it all together. And we talked about this. Is this a situation where this might be their last chance to prove to Pedersen that, Hey, we we can get things going in the right direction. Yeah. And the, the
0: part two about this is that if they aren't able to, is then all of a sudden you have to contend with like, Where do we send him? You know, because you're going to try to get as much back as you possibly can. Uh, And so if Vancouver is not able to be competitive in the first full year under new head coach Rick Tockett. And to be fair, they showed some signs down the stretch last year. But if they can't contend at a level to where Pedersen is like, I like what we're doing here. uh, Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, what are we where are we going to be able to send him to get some things back in return and so help me if he goes on the trade market and somebody does not keep him away from Kyle Dubas I am going to riot because that has Kyle Dubas written all over it and you don't need you don't need the Pittsburgh Penguins to go from Sidney Crosby to Elias Pettersson so just be good Vancouver and then we don't have to worry about sending another Extremely talented player to the Eastern Conference. They have enough over there.
3: Yeah, you, I have already dealing with the Black ox going from Kane and Tays to Connor Bedard. Please don't make me be the other bane of Nashville's playoff <laughs> existence. Go from Sidney Crosby and of getting Malkin to Elias Pettersson. Yeah, no, we we don't uh, we don't need that to
0: happen at all. And you know, if uh, I don't think Rick Tockett will be on the hot seat per se. Uh, if this season goes poorly. But an interesting name that could very much be on the hot seat uh, is in St. Louis. Uh, The Blues had a pretty bad season last year, and uh, it could potentially lead to head coach Craig Berube being on the hot seat if they repeat it with a bad year again. This year, Lockdown Blues host Haley Simon has more on that. (laughs) Uh, What would a successful season look like for the Blues this year, Haley? And what is at stake if that level of success is not achieved?
8: Personally, I want to see them in the postseason. So maybe getting a wild card spot. Now, this is a competitive central division that the Blues are in, as you know. So I'm not too keen on that happening. But as long as the Blues honestly have over 40 wins then that's fine for me they had 38 last season not a lot has changed with st louis besides getting kevin hayes so i'm not an oscar sunquist coming back so i'm not really you know like okay this team is so different or not so it's just getting over 40 wins maybe trying to potentially get a wild card spot for the playoffs and if the blues don't achieve that to answer the second part of your question I could see head coach, and I love him so much, but I could see Craig Berube losing his job and some more change having to come into play.
3: Yeah, I mean, and to, to add to what Haley said, even a bad start. Like, if the Blues get out to another bad start like they did last year, then that's, that's another thing that I think we have to look at Craig Berube and say, like, okay, like, how much is the goodwill from that cup win uh, starting to wear off? Uh, a little bit, and uh, Seth, you and I mention it again. It, it feels like the Blues, the biggest thing that's going to determine where they finish this year, is Mister Punchy McGillicuddy himself, <sighs> Jordan Bennington. Like you know, it's it's just are they going to ever get the 2019 playoff Jordan Bennington uh, again? Because that's been the biggest issue for the Blues the past couple of years as they've started to slide.
0: Well, and as you so often run into with players who have that edge and play with that edge regularly is that sometimes you go a little too far and it's very hard to kind of rein it back in once you have uh, let the dog off the leash. And so for Bennington, you know, if he can have kind of that edge to him, that can be a good asset for this Blues team. But if he kind of gets... To where he's playing some of those head games mm-hmm. then things start to spiral out of control then he's trying to fight mark-andre flurry thanks refs um and then things just go horribly horribly wrong so big season for st louis to say the least uh as uh, as we gear up for this year
3: yeah and to, to i like what st louis is kind of building around robert thomas jordan Cairo. there's some good young talent there uh, maybe somebody like Kevin Hayes comes in and is, you know, a, a little bit of a veteran addition to kind of bolster, uh, that lineup. So, uh, we'll have to see what that is, but I think the blues are a team, uh, that, you know, a lot of us are kind of expecting to see where they finish. Uh, we're not going to have to play that waiting game with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, they were very, very bad last season, but unlike the blues, The Sharks were A-OK with being in the basement. In fact, if they're the worst team in the league, J.D. Young says, yep, good with that.
8: I think we kind of know. But uh, what is the biggest storyline surrounding your team in this upcoming season?
10: Um, I think it's going to be, is this the worst team in the NHL? (laughs) Um, And that's a very very fair question right if you look at the roster um there is a lot more questions than answers on this roster and a lot of as this team is going through its rebuild right and that's usually what happens when you go through rebuilds is you're trying to kind of shift out the guys who are not going to be part of your future and and look towards the future and The Sharks are kind of in that process right now. Over the past 13 months, you know, you've traded away Brett Burns. You've traded away Timo Meyer, You've traded away Eric Carlson, which I'm sure we'll talk about Eric Carlson here in a second. But um, this team is kind of has its eye on the future with a lot of their prospects kind of getting ready to start making an impact in the NHL, but it's still in that transition period of having a lot of kind of NHL caliber players on the roster as you wait for some of your younger guys to develop. And I think that is a recipe with all the questions on the blue line, the questions in net with Capo Kakinen and Mackenzie Blackwood as a recipe for this team to uh, struggle to win games this season. And I think fully embrace them being one of the worst teams in the NHL. And I'm, I'm excited for it.
3: Poor sweet naive young child.
0: Yeah, that's, that is going to be a long road to get to the end of the season. But again, like Chicago did, this is important for San Jose to find that nucleus that they can build around uh, and identify those players. Until you do that, you really can't move forward. And it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot of five to one losses. It's going to be a lot of four nothing losses. It's going to be a lot of losses.
3: Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. I mean, the Sharks. You and I just talked about this on Locked On NHL, where it just. They still have some bottoming out to do. The one thing I kind of want to address, and this isn't a shot at JD because there's a lot of people around the league that act like that, is just the excitement over tanking. Um, I, you know, until you've been through a tank, you don't really know what to expect. Uh, you know, my family's from Michigan, I've seen the Detroit Tigers. Uh, rebuild for the last you know 10 years of my life. Uh, I've seen the Tennessee Titans tear it down and then take 10 years to build it back up. I just don't think people nowadays, I think the idea of tanking is romanticized uh, a little bit. I think people are, you know, look at Chicago and they do something where it's like, hey uh we're just gonna suck for a couple of years trade all our good players pick up a bunch of first round picks and we'll be back uh we'll be the next version of the Tampa Bay Lightning in five years it doesn't work like that very rarely does it work like that and you know there's a lot of stuff like even Toronto uh it took 20 years to win a playoff series despite a bunch of first round picks the Edmonton Oilers had four first round picks and two of the best generational talent and they haven't gotten anywhere as close to winning a Stanley Cup. And that's not even mentioning teams like the Coyotes and Flames who have been stuck in mid-territory for decades now. So if you're a Sharks fan, I, I see the logo you're pointing to, Seth. If if you're a Sharks fan, you know, I, I get it. Like, there's some fresh blood. There's some excitement on the way. Maybe the chance of being a number one. But I'm also saying, like, you're in for some bad years and not one or two it could be a while before you're back playing meaningful hockey so just be prepared for that before you jump into oh we got a tank embrace the tank
0: yeah because you get three or four years down the road on the path and all of a sudden you're like oh no we didn't do what we were hoping to do during this time frame and so now we have to reset and do it again. But There is the tanking side of things, and there's the perpetually finding ways to make the postseason and coming up with hilariously creative and heartbreaking ways to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Minnesota has made that into a masterclass, and so we will talk about Minnesota, plus we have many more teams to discuss as well as we continue. Our special season preview edition of the Locked
3: On NHL podcast. After this, right now you can snap into NFL action this season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. That's two hundred dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on the action. And the app is so easy to use. There is a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much, much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season in style. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL.
0: Welcome back to our special season preview edition of the locked on NHL podcast and the team that we're going to talk about next very near and dear to me because they found a way to lose in the first round of the postseason seven consecutive times the Minnesota Wilds and not just the Minnesota Wild every team in Minnesota is on some sort of L uh, in terms of postseason success I love it as you can obviously tell. But there are some things that will need to happen for the Minnesota Wild in order to break that postseason losing streak, which I outline right here.
9: 14 plus million dollars in dead cap after the Ryan Suter and Zach Parise buyouts. How are the Minnesota Wild handling that dead cap? And is this still going to be a competitive team in
11: 23-24?
0: You know, I, I think it will still be a team that is in the postseason conversation this year, but obviously having that much money that you can't spend, you get to a certain point and like we saw last year against the Dallas Stars, how nice would it have been to have a couple of seven plus million dollar guys in that top six or, you know, some other spot in the lineup. They just don't have the ability to use that right now. It's led to a couple of players. Having gone elsewhere because there just isn't money to spend, but Bill Guerin knows what he's doing. He he brings in Patty Maroon to uh, to help keep this team on the right path, and I see no reason to expect anything else other than another postseason trip for the Minnesota Wild. But we've seen that before. We've seen that script. How do you win around? That's the big question this year.
3: You'll always have the Minneapolis Miracle, Seth. At least, at least you'll always have that. Yeah, and what came afterwards? That's that's not important. It was a fun play. <laughs> um, let me re- respond to virtual you. Uh, the the thing I like most uh, about what the Wild are doing right now is the prospect pool. Uh, I believe it was Scott Wheeler who rated them number one in the entire NHL uh, just a couple of months ago. Uh, Some bona fide superstars, um, you know, coming through the pipeline and some guys like Matthew Boldy who are already there uh, and Marco Rossi, who's, you know, should hopefully take that next step with a injury free season this year. So, yeah, like the the situation with the suitor and Parise cap hits, you know, kind of suck. And truthfully, I do think that's handcuffed the wild a little bit. But it's one of those things where if they can just not suck long enough to just get through that, there is a big light at the end of the tunnel. And by the time some of these prospects get in and start playing regular NHL minutes, the Wild are going to have a lot of cap space, not just to keep them locked up, but also to go out and aggressively get some complimentary players to put around them.
0: Yeah, the, the thing that you want to do is you want the prospects to enter the car as it's moving, as opposed to coming to a complete stop, putting it in park, letting everybody get in in a normal fashion, and then going. So I hope that analogy makes sense. But um, the Calgary Flames took a huge step back, as we have talked about uh, on the Locked on NHL podcast many times over the offseason. And so there are big expectations on Calgary to get back to the level that they were previously at. But as host of Locked on Flames, Jess Belmasto says, the play of high-priced forwards Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto, while important, is nowhere near as crucial as the Flames' ability to manage the load of their high-priced goalie. Who figures to be
1: the most important player on the Flames this year and what makes them so crucial to the team's
8: success? I think Jonathan Huberto is obviously kind of the most obvious answer because obviously his uh, contract extension kicks in $10.5 million this year but I'm really going with Jacob Markstrom he has to bounce back as well he did not have a good season last year he regressed to I think his career worst numbers he wasn't all there and I'm hoping that having a coach that won't play these uh, psychological warfare games with him in the locker room will uh, bring back that confidence and he'll he'll be locked in.
0: Was the subtraction of Daryl Sutter, Nick, enough to get Jacob Markstrom back on
3: track? Yeah, I mean that was sort of the million dollar question: is is that really a confidence issue, or is that Jacob Markstrom maybe just showing some inconsistency? Because he also keep in mind a year before his you know twenty twenty two campaign, where he had nine shutouts, uh, struggled a little bit in twenty twenty one as well. So you know th- that's kind of the million dollar question: was that really sort of a confidence issue, and Daryl Sutter just you know throwing the Dan Vladar? you know, anvil at him uh, anytime he had a bad game? Or was this Jacob Markstrom uh, maybe starting to show some inconsistency later on? You know, that's a big question. You can say the exact same thing about Nazem Kadri as well and about Jonathan Huberdeau. Not good seasons at all last year, or at least not the level that I think Flames fans were kind of hoping to see from them. Um, So I think that's going to be the million dollar question for the Flames is who did you bring over when you brought those two players? Did you bring um, the players from, you know, a couple of years ago? And maybe last year was just sort of, you know, a lot of things going wrong in the Calgary locker room and they started to struggle a little bit. Uh, or did you bring some players in that were maybe a little bit past their prime uh, and and now the Flames have to deal with the consequences? That's going to determine the Flames' future moving forward.
0: Yeah, and speaking of uh, determining the future uh, a little further east, the Winnipeg Jets are staring down a pivotal season of their own, one that Locked On Jets host Harrison Lee says could be the last for a couple of hugely important core Jets pieces.
6: (laughs) What
1: would you say is the biggest storyline surrounding the Jets entering this new season?
4: I, I think anyone who uh, thinks about the Jets probably thinks of Hellebuck and Shifley, um, two of your franchise cornerstones that um, right right now, the Jets don't really seem to have a clear idea of what their plans are. And they don't seem to have the clearest idea. Um, we can certainly speculate, but you know, I think it's, it's, it's tough to to know for sure. And I think with all of that uncertainty uh, for for not only the near term and and present, but also for the future, this season is kind of like one last big hurrah. It feels like, um, if this is kind of the end of of Winnipeg with Strifley and Hellebuck, I just hope that they make the most of it because um, they've they've put a lot in, into this team over the years, and it's it's been a tough one to see them kind of fall out of it. But you know, this is one last chance to really go for it if that is indeed
3: the end. <laughs> I want to ask you right off the bat, Seth, were you surprised that uh, Hellebuck wasn't moved this year?
0: I was because I felt like the Los Angeles Kings were the natural, like the logical suitor for his services. And now you're kind of running the risk of getting backed up against the wall at the trade deadline when teams know that you are probably not going to re-sign him. And so it's either let him go for nothing or take deals that will probably be a little less than you could have gotten in the offseason. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how it works out for the Winnipeg Jets, who, uh, much like the Chicago Bulls, are probably facing one last ride of their
3: own. Yeah, and it's interesting to see what they do in this offseason. I think it's something you know, on a smaller scale uh, from from Vancouver, where I think how this season goes determines what the next step is for the Winnipeg Jets. Because, you know, if this is another season where they're just kind of middle of the pack, not really improving, not really regressing either, then I think you're going to see a lot of these familiar faces, uh, you know, maybe exit town one way uh, or another. Not unlike what has happened to my beloved Nashville Predators. Uh, The the Preds were one of the off-season's busier teams, and they're hoping the veteran additions of Ryan O'Reilly, Luke Shen, Gustav Nyquist, can help supplement a roster loaded with unproven young talent. So here is my partner in crime, Ann Kimmel, on the addition of Ryan O'Reilly. What would you say was the most significant
1: off-season move the Preds made, and why?
8: Well, two things were pretty significant that the Preds did this offseason. One is who they got rid of. The Nashville Predators moved what they often refer to as the unmovable $8 million contracts of Ryan Johansson. They bought out Matt Duchesne as well. So two veterans are no longer on the team. The big signing that they brought in was veteran Ryan O'Reilly. And Barry Trotz felt really strongly about bringing in Ryan O'Reilly, not just for what he brings on ice, but what he brings with his experience and What he brings to the locker room. This is a Stanley Cup champion. He has won the Con Smythe, the Selkie, and he really believes that Ryan O'Reilly could be an important part of this Nashville core, setting kind of a new vibe in the locker room and really setting some new work habits for a team that's going to be young.
3: Yeah, you're, you know, we've talked about this, Seth, but I'm curious just your thoughts from the outside on what the Predators have done. Uh, this offseason with all the changes,
0: you know, it's fascinating because I really am in a situation where I need to see what it looks like on the ice to determine kind of where Nashville is at, because they, they made a ton of moves, departures and additions. And Barry Trotz is very clearly trying to kind of re-examine how this team does what they do and attack it with uh, some different faces and some different skill sets than we've seen from the predators in previous seasons. And so can Gustav Nyquist be a guy that can help in that, in that situation? Sure. There's some injury risk there, but he uh, he's somebody that can certainly help. And yeah, it just, it was interesting making Ryan O'Reilly kind of the face of your team as somebody who is getting up there in age. Uh, But again, if, if he can be a great sounding board for some of those young players, that could end up being a real, real good move that Barry Trotz made. I'm also
3: going to throw out that the Predators are never out of the playoff conversation uh, when number Not 74, possible. when number 74, UC Soros, uh, is in goal. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting uh, for the Preds for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's it, you kind of hit the nail on the head. We just don't really know what this team looks like yet. So it may take, you know, a couple of months before we figure out, Uh, if the Preds are moving in the right direction or not. Same can be said for the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, The Yotes, they boast one of the league's most exciting rookies in Logan Cooley, but the ongoing subplot of the arena situation continues to broil. For Robin Leano, the goal of the Coyotes for this season is just being in the conversation.
0: For somebody like myself who is buying what Arizona is selling this year, uh, this is going to be uh, an exciting one for me to hear the answer to. But what would a successful season look like for the Coyotes? And what's
11: at stake if they are not able to achieve those goals? I think uh, something that I guess a a successful season for them is a team that flirts with a playoff spot. Like they'll spend maybe some time in like January or February, they're kind of looking on, they're like maybe on the outside looking in, or maybe they're on the inside looking out of a playoff spot. Um, they're not going to make a playoff spot. I don't. I still don't think this team has all the tools just yet to, um, you know, to 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 play up there with the uh, with the uh, the best of the NHL. But they're getting close. They're making all the, all the correct steps. Bill Armstrong has been doing a phenomenal job with the rebuild, uh, and I really think that the the only thing that can turn this around and let's say. Um, I guess if Bill Armstrong just makes incorrect trade moves come the trade deadline and uh, it hurts the morale and the team goes in the wrong direction in the next year, that's the only thing that we don't want to see a team going in the wrong direction. They're only making make, making positive steps on the ice, and that's what we want to see.
3: Yeah, I, I, Robin hit the nail on the head there. Whereas, just I think the goal is just to you know get a little bit better than they were last year, and, and a lot of the people they brought in like Matt Dumba. Um, you know, Jason Zucker, uh, Sean Dersey, I think an underrated pickup from the L.A. Kings. Those are some moves that they are hoping kind of supplements that and, and Clayton Keller, one of the more underrated players in the entire NHL. Um, I, I stand by that. I think he is absolutely a dynamic score. Um, somebody that if he was playing on, you know, Toronto or New York or New Jersey, we'd be talking about him as, you know, a top player. In this entire league, they have some tools, especially with Logan Cooley coming up, to be a really good team down the road. I I agree, I don't think it's gonna happen this year, Seth, but you gotta like what they're doing.
0: Yeah, I I just like the mix that they're putting together, and we talked about this on the Lockdown NHL podcast as well. Uh, is it feels like they got the right fitted coach, feels like they got the right fits in the front office to lead this team. They're building and clearly defining their core. And so now it becomes just putting some, some veterans you're making, you're making a, a batch of chili or some soup, whatever, whatever fits your yeah. fancy. You've got the base established, you've put in all the key ingredients, and now you're just adding little bits of seasoning to try to make it taste just right. And we'll see if the uh, Arizona Coyotes have created that uh, wonderful blend, or if they end up putting in too much, or if they just, if it ends up just getting burnt. You just hope ownership is not Kevin Malone right now. <laughs> well played. Well yeah. played. And last but not least, we hit the Anaheim Ducks, who are historically bad last season, giving up more shots on goal than any team in NHL history over a full season. As Jason Hernandez details, their loaded prospect group is going to be tasked to turn things around under new head coach Greg Cronin, with one young forward likely to have a touch more importance than the rest.
1: Who figures to be the most important player on the Ducks this year, and what makes him so crucial to the team's success?
12: That's an excellent question, Gil. Thank you for that. I would say there's a couple players that are going to be very important. Uh, I've mentioned Troy Terry before, who really knows how to put the puck in play. But someone else that I think is going to be very important for this team, another young up-and-comer. That I think could see some major minutes. Mason McTavish. Last season in his age 20. Let me remind you. Age 20 season. He was fourth in the team in points. He's already assured himself a top role on this Ducks team. And we're already seeing, especially some of the latter games. We're seeing the type of top six quality player. That the Ducks got. Don't forget, Mason McTavish was a lottery pick not that long ago, and we're already seeing the dividends. McTavish has that big body of his, so he can muscle his way in there if he has to. And also, someone that gets into the dirty areas. I'm a big believer in having someone pound the net, get in front of the crease, disturb opposing goaltenders. You always need those. I don't want to say the term grease guy, but you need someone that is not going to be afraid to get in there. Anaheim
0: Ducks are going to ride their young players to try to get out of the muck this season. And, you know, it's a fun group. Troy Terry, Mason McTavish, Trevor Zegris. It's a fun group. It's just, you know, as we said, You give up the most shots on goal in NHL history through the course of an entire season. Like you got to at some point start to add, you got to capitalize the D in ducks to also capitalize the D in defense.
3: Yeah. And that's number one. You know, they first off, you're really proud of that, aren't you? (laughs) I don't even know what it means. Yeah. It sounds great though. Uh, you know, the other thing is uh, Trevor Zegers, uh just accepted a very, very team friendly deal. Uh, so he's back in the fold now. He's obviously going to be the focal point of the team. Uh, I think the next couple of seasons, um, it, it's an interesting end to that saga. But Zegris coming back really helps the Ducks. Maybe maybe they take a step forward this year as well. Yeah, we
0: will uh, certainly find out. That does it for this special presentation of Locked On NHL. For more on every team in the West ahead of the new NHL season, be sure to tune in to the local Locked On podcast covering your team the way only our local experts can all throughout the season. The Locked On Podcast Network, we are your team every day.